Hey everyone, and welcome to PR Hangover, a weekly PR recap and talk show brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter and hosted by me, Kelly Darcy. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Um, so why don't you start by letting us know actually who you are? Sure. Uh, I'm Len O'Kelly. I am uh, assistant professor of uh, multimedia journalism here at Grand Valley State. I also am the faculty advisor for WCKS Whale Radio and GVTV Student Television. And I teach courses uh, ranging from uh, radio, radio production, media history. That's my research specialty is media history. So I'm, I'm the uh, kind of the... Uh, the hashtag old media around here for lack of a better phrase but that's a great phrase i think mostly i i i own it so um that's mostly what i teach here yeah and you're still a working you're still working in news correct yes uh i get up every morning so i've got a small little studio in my house and as as you do because who wouldn't (laughs) um for the last four and a half years now i've been the morning news anchor for radio station kamb in merced california wow i've never been to merced california but technology is a wonderful thing Wow. So what made you, did you just want, did you want to get back into news and you wanted to do this or it was something that they came to you and asked for or? Well, before teaching, I had a whole first life in broadcasting. I worked for 25 years on the radio and programmed, I think, six different radio stations and was a news director and did all those uh, types of things. And I made a promise to myself when I left working in broadcasting full time to come teach that I was not going to give up the industry because I had professors when I was in college who were so far removed. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you go to school and then you never get out. Right? right. And so when I went to work my first day in radio, my first realization was, wow, everything I learned was wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want to become that guy. Yeah. So I, I wanted to keep doing something. And I have a, a friend in town who's a broadcast consultant, you know, the person who comes in and helps stations do things. And he had a client station, the one in California, who was looking for a news reporter. Mm-hmm. And we worked out a deal and I, I signed on for them. For a year and a half, I also did news for a group of radio stations in northern Michigan. That just ended in, in December mm-hmm. uh, due to some budgetary things. They basically, you know, can't afford me. Well, so, yeah, uh, you're you know, a big so deal. It goes. So. Right, yeah. I, I, I'm paying you a lot to be to be Absolutely. here today yes. in your office. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I even brought the caffeine. So, yeah, yeah right. you did. And candy. I, yes. It's my favorite place to come. There's always sure. good music and candy. That's what I, that's what I, I minor in is. Yeah. That, yes. That makes sense. That's, yeah. why, that's why I hang out here. Sure. Which is often. We always have great great chance absolutely i've never had you as a professor (laughs) funny how that works yeah right yeah so um you are going to be you're dressed up i am dressed up today partially for the podcast as you mentioned you love dressing up for for radio actually there is a truth to that um depending on the type of communication that you're doing um the outfit can be very important so for a brief period of time i programmed a radio station in uh, in new zealand and there was a guy in new zealand who did a morning show Mm -hmm. And his shtick was he went to the radio station every morning in a bathrobe and poured a bowl of cereal and had a cup of coffee. And his rationale was, I am doing what my listeners are doing. True, yeah. And it actually came through a little bit. Weird as that sounds, it it had a little bit of that groggy first thing in the morning thing. So if I'm supposed to be erudite and knowledgeable i should probably have put on a coat for this so it, it does come through a little bit yeah i'm glad i'm wearing a sweatsuit so <laughs> <laughs> well you know you're playing the role of student uh, which yes. Would, yes yes which exactly. i normally don't and i hope no, you no. know that i'm usually that is dressed. true i have to go yes. to yoga after this so. no, do what you gotta do <laughs> so I'm, I'm really one with my mind today is what i'm is my excuse 
Um, more so, it just is also early in the morning. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> we had to make this plan so that we both were either caffeinated or well rested. Right, and right. sometimes you get one or the other. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I don't know which one I am. <laughs> so, um, so you are also dressed up to be on a panel tonight. Yes, uh, tonight at the uh, Grand Rapids Public Library, they are having a panel on this whole fake news mm-hmm. phenomenon, which is a. I'll be honest; it's a phrase I'm not entirely comfortable with, but that's what we're calling it. That's okay. the buzzword. Yeah. So. Uh, so we'll go with that. So they, they've got five of us who work in uh, either in education or local media who are on the panel tonight. And, right. and the uh, business librarian uh, from GRPL is going to kind of be our moderator and ask mm-hmm. us some questions and hopefully start a, uh, a ripe discussion about this phenomenon and what we can do about it, for lack of a better phrase. Right. So why do you hate the term fake news? Because fake news – here's my problem with it. Anytime we have – a phenomenon of any type. It's as if we have to buzzword it and categorize it and simplify it and and dumb it down, mm-hmm. right? Fake news implies that everything reported is completely made up. Okay, yeah. That's rarely the case. There's often a little shred of truth in there somewhere. Right. And it might be the details that are wrong. Th- this is in some cases. There, there are some cases where it, it's absolutely all garbage. Right. You know? Uh, the Denver Guardian example from last fall comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, that didn't. That wasn't even a real paper. It was yeah. a parking lot. If you <laughs> yeah. went to the address, but nobody, you know, but it, no one questions it if it's if right. it's out. And I also don't like the term because I don't think fake news is is really the entire problem. It's mm-hmm. a it's a symptom, but it's not the problem. Our lack, our astonishing lack of media literacy, is the problem. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe people who don't research the things or, or like look up if like what this. Like, what is this? Yeah, what this newspaper is is like just a blind trust. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I I don't like the the sudden this is a problem that mass media likes to do because fake news has been a problem for ever since there's been news. Right. You know, from the first day that you had you know town criers in public squares telling you what was going on, all that was filtered through the king, right? right? So it wasn't even necessarily credible at that point. So we've, yeah. in a sense, we've had a, a continuous fake news problem for probably five, 600 years. Right. But to look at media now, you'd say, oh, this is something that just happened in the last two, three months. Right. It, it goes much further back than that. Yeah, which people would are starting to assign bias to a lot of, to a lot of um, places that are putting out news, like, like that's new, that they're just starting to have a bias on things. Well, sure. If you look at newspapers in the 1800s, you know, they put it right there in the title of the paper. You know, the, the, we, we called the paper the Democrat or the Republican. Right. And if you read that paper, basically you knew pretty much what you were, were going to get. So I grew up in Chicago. We had two main daily newspapers most of my growing up. You had the Chicago Sun-Times and the Chicago Tribune. And I don't think there was a person who didn't know that the Sun-Times was the Democrat-friendly newspaper and the Tribune was the Republican-friendly newspaper. Right. So if you read both, you were going to get editorials that read very, very differently mm-hmm. based on what that particular editorial board was trying to advance. Mm-hmm. Certain stories, it didn't matter. You know, car crashes, fires, all that kind of stuff. There's not a, a, a Republican way to tell a story of a house fire. Right. Right. But when we talk about things like public policy or... Uh, things of a political nature, that's where you start to see that that mm-hmm. happen. But the consumers of the papers always knew what they were, were getting. Right. Educated consumers of news always knew to look more than one place. That's the problem we've got now. We go to one place, we've decided that... Facebook. Our, <laughs> Facebook, and that's the... Exactly. Yeah. That, that aggregator is the, is the problem. Now, I will admit, and, and, and it pains me to admit this, 
the primary place I get my news every morning, Twitter. Yeah, I yeah, I was going to say cuz Twitter is my number 1. Twitter's my number 1. But here's how I use it. I have uh so all the local media outlets here in Grand Rapids I follow. So I get a, a you know 140 characters what are the stories I should read about, right? right? I have a couple of reporters that I've learned I can trust and I, I follow both nationally and, and, and locally and a couple of other things more related to the business of education that I, that I follow. So I see the headlines in the morning and then I say, oh, I would like to learn more about that. Mm-hmm. So then I start clicking and following around and finding. Okay. Right. I don't just take that one source and say, oh, um, Fox 17 says this happened. Okay. That's one outlet. Right. What are the other outlets saying about mm-hmm. it? That's the media literacy problem. Most of us aren't doing that now. We're getting one piece of information from one place. We're not even reading it. Yeah, just the headline. And then we're sharing it. Mm-hmm. And the sharing it is the big problem. So maybe we look need to look at this whole fake news phenomenon as a, a media literacy problem and a sharing problem. Yeah. So when I did college radio back in, in forever ago, um, I had a, a threat that I made to the radio station all the time. And that was, you know, we, we had a news department that was supposed to come in and read read the news every morning. Right. My threat to them was, if you do not show up, I will do the newscast. But understand that I am going to use, there was this newspaper called the Weekly World News. Mm -hmm. And the Weekly World News was the most ridiculous tabloid (laughs) ever. Um, If you go back, if you Google Weekly World News, you will find pictures of uh, a young Hillary Clinton with an alien baby on her lap. Yeah, that just makes sense. And uh, they were big on uh, the bat boy that was found. It was yep. a kid who looked like a bat. Yeah. Right? Um, those were the stories that they liked. The alien thing got a lot of play. I mean, yeah. the alien was meeting with Bill Clinton. And yeah. this was, so this was in the, uh, in the 80s and 90s this was happening. Um, everybody knew that that newspaper was, was fake. Right. And you couldn't share it. I couldn't, if I were walking around with that paper, like, hey, Kelly, look at this. You'd yeah. be like, go away. Yeah. Right. <laughs> please, sir, please, please stop go away. Me stop following. Photos. You're stalking me. <laughs> right. But now, if I want to share that thing, you know, I've got, what, 970 people on my Facebook page. I've got mm-hmm. 1,200 people on my Twitter feed. Uh, LinkedIn, which I still don't know what it's for. I've got another, you right. know, 1,000 people there. So just between those three outlets, if I were to go click, 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 there's 3,000 impressions in seconds. And somebody who's not paying attention may look and go, huh, Hillary Clinton's got an alien baby, and go with it. Right. Because they're not, they're not reading more deeply into the, um, into the thing. So the sharing thing is actually a big part of the problem as well. Yeah, and I wonder if that comes from, and I, and I don't, this isn't like a millennial thing. I think it's just mm-hmm. a people thing in terms of where we're at with social media, in terms of wanting to have things instantly known to us. So we rely a lot to just read. We're assuming that whatever the headline is, is what the whole article is. So right. so now we know. So it's quick as opposed to, to doing the research. Like I feel like people don't want to do any of that research on their own. They're just assuming that they can trust like their friends. If like, I were to share something and you'd be like, oh, Kelly shared this thing. Like, yeah. like this is a thing, you know. But That's not just a millennial thing. That's an American thing. Yeah. And it's been like that for over 100 years. Uh, I'll give you an example. When commercial radio made its big splash in its debut in 1920, it happened on election night. Mm-hmm. And the reason election night was picked was you can wait till tomorrow and read the newspaper and find out who won the election. Yeah. Or you can be first and tune in tonight and not have to read because we know you're lazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean this is 100 years ago. We're having this conversation. And consumers of news are like, I would rather them tell me and I want to know now. Yeah. So this is not a millennial thing. It's not a Gen X thing. It's not a boomer thing. It's we have always had this, uh, you know, 
this sort of disdain for um, waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we lack patience, and we want to be the first one to know things. And yeah. that's been, that's a human nature thing more than a generational thing. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I did this with you before you did the panel, so I'm, I was interested to know what, what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you think then, when you discuss tonight, do you think that people are going to understand, for the most part, that it's it's not, like, like fake news in itself? Mm-hmm. Like, there's obviously the things where there's, like, an alien baby, like, things yeah. like that. But I also think things like, like the onion and, like, reductress, like, things like that people... Are, don't so, always know that. Yeah, people just don't get that, the, the humor behind it or uh-huh. the, the, the necessity to have kind of, like, a, a lull and, and hard-hitting news and kind of have get like self-reflection on kind of the human nature i'd like to say that i've never had the onion cited in a paper in class but i can't say that yeah oh no several years ago someone making an argument in a paper in my class cited the onion and i had to do the oh 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 honey no yeah don't don't do that anymore um what i'm a little concerned about with the panel and with the discussion in general uh, it goes back to a Paul Simon lyric. Mm-hmm. Man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. What I'm seeing, and even when the library, which used Facebook to start, you know, hey, we've got this event, this would be great. People, of course, can't not comment on things. It's another part of human nature. We can't just see something and, you know, it used to be you were a crazy person hollering at the television and nobody heard you. Right. Now your, your thing you come out with, everybody can read and enjoy yeah, but people aren't going to say that necessarily to your face, though. Of course not. It's going to be so. It's, I was going to say because people are really. I wouldn't say that people are willing to to comment out out in the world, but more so comment out into the virtual well, atmosphere. Yeah, but you also have that sort of West Michigan thing of oh, yeah. you know, that, that, and, and I'm I'm not from here originally. I grew up in Chicago, where you know, in Chicago we take passive aggressive to a very high level. <laughs> yeah. um, Google parking dibs and you'll see what i mean yeah. the people who shovel spaces and put their tables and chairs out and you oh do not God. oh it's a it's a whole thing we're, we're very passive aggressive about that here people are a little more willing to tell you that they don't like you yeah you know um but and with the, a smile on yes, and a prayer yes and they will complain about things they don't necessarily so i'll, I'll give an example I, this is my second time living here i programmed radio in grand rapids back in the late 90s mm-hmm. And I was programming the oldie station in town, and our computer glitched one afternoon and played a commercial that wasn't supposed to play on the radio station. And it just happened to be for Trojan condoms. Yeah. On the oldie station. I spent two days apologizing to people who had called my voicemail to complain to the free radio station that we were doing it wrong. Wow. And that they were terribly offended. And now how do I explain this to my children? And that one, I'm like, well, you don't. You don't have to explain. Did they ask? Like, were they, were they I'd, not? Con- were they I'd be highly. Su- right. You know, because radio listeners generally don't listen that closely. Yeah. So, I'd be, oh, the seven-year-old listens better than the 30-year-old. That's, yeah. you know. Um, so, but again, and then people used to just complain. Oh, I don't like the music. I don't like this. I don't like this. And I finally got so frustrated one day. I, I told somebody, we will refund your money. Yeah, and they and that clicked with them fine. Like, oh, that's right, this is free. I'm yeah, not... I'm not paying you. So people are, are more more apt to, to to speak up. But I've already seen on the Facebook group for this thing, uh, one of the first charges that was raised by a patron of the library was there are no conservatives on this panel. <laughs> Our bios were not given. Basically, it was just a list of here are the five people who maybe are coming. They stalked to speak. you already. Like maybe they were like were really intent. Like that has happened to be like the list of people that they 
socks as a general well, statement. Well, <laughs> the same person then went on to list all of the media that are biased. Oh. And there was a trend I noticed in the list of biased media. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was everything I don't like is biased, uh. which told me they didn't do any research of any kind. <laughs> and that takes me to another thing that we have to wrap up into this whole fake news uh, discussion too and that is that uh, I've never seen it to this level this notion of if I don't like the message it is therefore fake right my opinions are just as valid as your facts right I've never seen that to this level this thing that I believe to be true is is correct and anything you show, no matter what mound of evidence you bring against me, you clearly have made up everything yeah. to try to disprove my opinion, which does not lend itself well to discourse. No. And that's a concern I have going into this thing tonight. That I will have to shoot people down and basically say, and I, I've told students this, you know, you're in my class, you are entitled to your own opinions. But and I can't beat my facts. <laughs> yeah, and you, but you're not entitled to your own facts, is right. how I always finish that. You, you, we have to agree on, facts are things we agree on. Right. Right. Opinions are things we hold differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually enjoy reading the opinions of students that differ from mine because I don't have all the answers right. to everything. I like to see things in a, in, in a different way. Um, but there are certain things we have to agree on that mm-hmm. are, you know, or we're not going to get anywhere. Right. right. So that I am a little concerned about. This notion of my facts or my opinions trump your facts is, you know, kind of a problem. Do you think that that started becoming more prevalent around election time or do you think that's just kind of been evolving from... From how social media and and lack of ability to research their own news sites came about. At the risk of sounding partisan, which I don't want to do, there's been an empowerment to that in the last 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, people always did that, right. but we were more willing to dismiss them, and they were always regarded as that sort of, you know, oh, that guy's going on again about that. Right. Well, now there's been this empowerment, for lack of a better phrase, of I have to be heard. Well, okay. You, Why? <laughs> sure, you get to be heard, but then so do I, and we, all, and, and so do the rest of us. But there's been this, and I, I blame cable news on both sides of the political spectrum for this. Volume does not validate a position, right? And there's been this proclivity to shout, mm-hmm. and the louder I get, the more right I am, and, and I've seen that more in the last, say, two to three years. Yeah. You know, even maybe even longer than that. And I think that's part of the problem, too. We're, we're, we're confusing volume and repetition with accuracy and, and, and verification, and that's a problem. Right. And I think that also comes from, from groups, too, like usually mm-hmm. and like subgroups of communities that, mm-hmm. that misrepresent. It's usually the loudest people are the ones that don't hold the majority viewpoints. Well, and if there's one thing we always like to know is that we're not alone in our in our beliefs. I mean, the right. whole, you know, is it just me or, mm-hmm. you know, and then when someone says, no, it's not just you, you take a little bit of a deep breath and say, okay, good. Yeah. You I'm know. not, I'm not the outlier. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So do you think then, so what is your goal for this panel? Like, what do you want to have accomplished with, with a group that could mm-hmm. have any, as obviously some people possibly probably not going honestly, but voicing opinions sure. that are very upset and think it's already going to be a, be a well, I can't. I, I can't speak for the whole panel. I know right. that what I want to try to. So my mission for what to try to sneak in tonight, if I have an agenda <laughs> going into this thing, which is weird to talk about bringing an agenda to a panel on on, on you know on real news. Right. Um, I want this media literacy uh, topic to come up. I want us to start the discussion about where do we 
Where do we do this? How do we get people to be better consumers of media and information? The whole reason that I quit working in media and came to teach was I wanted to make better consumers of media. Right. Right. And the argument has been, well, you know, college classes cover this. Well, everybody still doesn't go to college. Right. A. And B, not all college classes cover this. Right. And the more time that I have to spend... Here's my problem. I have to spend so much time in a, in a college classroom now correcting terrible writing because that's not being done at the K-12 level. Right. You know, I've got to explain to students every semester that the plural of journalist is journalists <laughs> because Microsoft Word apparently doesn't catch that. You'd right. be surprised how many papers that, that comes up wrong. Yeah. Or the difference between what, you know, what bias is and what it means to be biased and things yeah. like that in writing that are, you know, are messed up all the time. The more time I spend fixing that, the less time I have to talk about you know, college level topics. Right. So I really want us to start this idea of media literacy at a younger level. Yeah. Now the problem there, of course, is how many things do we have high school kids doing? You know, we yeah. want them to write. We want them to have a set of basic skills. Do we tack one more thing onto that? Right. Well, now where's the funding coming from for that? So th- it's a it's a very complicated issue. It's not just as simple as you know you all need to read better. Yeah. Well, that leads get, to more. Get better. Yeah, get better. That leads to more more discussion. But I don't want the default answer to be this is what college is for because mm-hmm. you know we're we're at the point now where we've we're seeing the highest level of college degree attainment that the United States has ever had. Right. And it's thirty percent. That means seventy percent of people are still not getting a college degree. So yeah. if they are not uh, coming and hearing me, you know, preach the gospel of media literacy, they're never hearing it at all. Right. And that's not going to solve the problem either. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think then, so starting it younger, I think is important. I think mm-hmm. every, many things should be started younger, not left for college. I also think right. that I've never taken a media class in college. Mm-hmm. Like I, I personally, which I mean, sorry. They're not required. <laughs> right. It, especially like, I mean, and even in terms of like me, like the major, mm-hmm. it's not the biggest major in the world. You know, like, I mean, it's, it has a lot, it's been changing and evolving mm-hmm. to become more inclusive and do these things. But you know, when I'm in APR, it's. I take a I take a journalism writing class and that's it. Sure, and, and then people, you're done, right? Yeah. One of the things that I, I know we're trying to work towards in the multimedia journalism department is we would like to get at least one class approved for uh, for Gen Ed. Yeah. But even then, you know, how many Gen Eds are there to pick from yeah. here? I mean, you could go through, and if you pick carefully, you know, and go through the. I mean, we, we've got a curriculum right now where it, I'm embarrassed to say this, you don't have to take speech to go into broadcasting. Wow. It's not required. Oh, I didn't know that. It's an option. Right? Even the speech is required for my major. Yeah. That's so interesting. The, the the university I did my undergrad required speech of every student at the university, and their rationale was at some point you have to give a presentation right. in your life, if, if for nothing else, to get a job. Mm-hmm. So, so when we say, well, this should be required and this should be required, well, then you get into this whole, are students ever going to finish? Right. Right. We can't just tack on another three credits and, you know, take your $1,600 or whatever it is and Especially say, with hey, working we're good. All and that stuff. internships that, that also have credits that you're paying. Yes. You're paying to work to get credits. Yeah. There's, right. And even I think now, actually, I think about it. I didn't take a speech class. I took a story making class. You had an option. Yeah. Yes. Which I'm glad, but also, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I hated speaking though when I was in that class. Everybody does. Yeah. Speaking is the people are more afraid of speaking in public than they are of dying. It's like dying, but you're still living it. That's you, why. Afterwards, because <laughs> yeah. people will mock you. After, yeah. That's the fear, right? Yeah. Or I will I will have this thing, and it will go poorly, and, you know. 
uh, I will never forget having to take speech when I went back to finish my degree. So I, I didn't get my degree till I was 35. I was mm-hmm. one of those who, the phrase I like to use is I, I decided to forego my college eligibility and turn pro. Because <laughs> yeah. when athletes do it, we applaud. Yeah, sure, but sure. when you're a 20 year old kid, you're like, you're a screw up. You know, we don't. Um, so when I went back, enough time had passed that the university that I had started had changed enough rules. And I went back in and they said, well, you have to go under the new catalog now. And that means you have to take freshman speech. At that point, I was working on the radio in Chicago. I'd been on the air for 17 years, and I said, I, there, there must be some mistake. Yeah. Can I just forego it? Yeah. They said, well, you'll be really good at this class. Then <laughs> they made me do it. I was the oldest one in there counting the instructor. I oh, was, wow. So I came in there, and the first day, nailed the speech, and, and they well, does anybody have a critique in the back of the room? This isn't fair. <laughs> I said, I know it's not. You're right? Like, I didn't want to do this. But I have to do this. And, and I said, this is why this is so important. Um but yeah, nobody wants to do it, but yeah. it's a skill you have to absolutely have to have, and it's an important one to have. So, you know, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction to any of these things that we need is, well, just make it a requirement. Right. You know, uh, and, and I, not even just college. What's Look at what the state legislature will come up with. You know, somebody a couple of years ago suggested that theoretically a person in prison could decide that they were uh, transgendered and wanted to have go through the sex reassignment process. Right. So a state legislator decided, you know what, we shouldn't have to pay for that, so we're going to make that illegal. Yep. You know how many cases there were of that ever happening? None. It never happened. It was never once a thing that anybody suggested doing, but somebody got an idea, and the response was, we'd better make a rule that says you can't do yeah. this thing that nobody's ever thought to do. You know, and that's why you go go look at state laws. There are so many that don't even make sense anymore. Right. Um, up until two years ago, it was illegal in the state to have, uh, you know, those 24-hour relay for life type things? Yeah. yeah. They were technically illegal up till two years ago. Oh. Because of laws that were passed back in the 30s that made dance marathons illegal. What is this, Footloose? <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Welcome to Michigan. They decided that that was immoral and made that illegal. So anything that was done in terms of endurance mm-hmm. uh, f- with some sort of possible prize became or illegal. Or dancing. Or dancing. Or possible or, dancing. Yeah, right. So it wasn't until like two or three years ago Jeez. that somebody said, huh? Yeah. So you know, making rules and, and saying you must or thou shalt is not always the, the right answer here. We have to get people to want to care about it, too. And that, I think, is the big challenge from where I sit. How do I get you, the, the, the collective you, to care about this information? Mm-hmm. It's one thing for me to say you should be better, but you have to want to be better. Right. So what do, we, what do we do to make people say, you know, I want to be able to share. I want to take pride in that what I share on my feed is valid and makes sense. And right. I want to be that person who my friends look to as, boy, you know, you really seem to know what's going on. Not all of us care to, to do that. Yeah. Or many people think, well, I'm already doing that right. because what I'm sharing is what I believe to be correct. And it's a much more complex problem than that. Right. I even think, like, I don't know if I do that. Like, I, I research minimal Mm-hmm. And I like and I like to hear like what I I like to have my things validated, which sure is human nature to want to mm-hmm. think that you are correct. So you also uh, the, the social media phenomenon is fascinating because research has has shown, and I, I did my PhD at Michigan State, and they do a lot of social media research there. That's their big thing. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're they're delving into that. So I well, I didn't participate in that research. I read a lot of it, and they found conclusively that any time we share something. We have a particular audience in mind. Mm-hmm. We almost never share, you know, hey, all of you, look at this. Right. It's always, hey, Kelly and Joey and Bob and you four, 
look at this thing right you know and we don't always realize we're doing it but mm-hmm. we but we do so when we when we curate our our feeds and it is very much curation i don't share everything i read right you know, i want this and not that and this and not that we we have an audience in mind when we do it yeah that's true but we also don't take that connection necessarily to say i have an audience in mind and i want them to know that i'm trustworthy right we don't we don't make that leap necessarily i wonder if it's because we all think that we are trustworthy like, i'm sure it is like i i wouldn't i wouldn't I would hope no one would think that my feed is not trustworthy, but it's also right. very feminist propaganda. You like it's well, very sure. specific to me, and that would make sense because you know, I've been reading course evaluations now for five years that I've been teaching here. And if there's one consistency in course evaluations, it's that students always answer the form. You know, how would you rate your effort in this class? Everybody's above average. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I worked really hard. I have yet to see a student say, "You know what? I didn't give a crap." Yeah. I've never seen it. I. I I've seen it in right, in right. action. People have definitely not given a crap. <laughs> oh, but. I can give you their names, but um, but on the forum, when it comes to how do you feel about the work that you do, we tend to um, rate our our self efficacy as higher mm-hmm. than it is probably warranted. Right. So I think you're right on on that. Yeah, because I wouldn't even like, and I definitely don't. You know, when I when I think about like my news that I share, it's definitely like I'm picking and choosing what I want to share, and mm-hmm. I. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm trustworthy. Yeah, of course I am. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I am very much like my my way is like like I mm-hmm. don't I don't do a lot of other research and from up, up like oppositional sides. Mm-hmm. That's something I know that I don't do a lot of because it just makes me sad. Sure. So and then I'm like, what what, what cost? <laughs> I've I've been reluctant to use the unfollow feature. Um, oh, I had I had oh, to, I am number one at unfollowing. See, I had to pull out a couple of times, but I, I like to know what mm-hmm. people who disagree with me are thinking. I don't want to fall into the bubble of, you know, oh, everybody, you know. Thinks you know, the same as me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but sometimes what you run across is just so wrong. Yeah. And that's why I unfollow. And there's no changing their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, we can argue about this all day and we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to move you to my position and you're certainly not going to win me over to yours. So what's the what's the point? Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm reluctant to use it, but I have I have on occasion done that. Um I'm also one of those too that I'm, I'm. I guess I'm more careful about what I decide to share. Students are on my feed. Yeah, you know, a lot me, of professors are not. You are right. Yeah. Um, I, I like what you share. It's always really fun, music related. <laughs> see, I have no problem including students in there because you know one of the things I tell the students in my major is we are all about networking. And, yeah. you, and you know, oh, you want to work in the broadcast field? Well, you should probably be rating my network because mm-hmm. a lot, most of my feed are people I worked with. Right. And you know. Hit them for jobs, not me. I can't hire you. Yeah. Uh, you should get to know these people. Um, but I also try to model a little bit of, you know, this this could be a tool for good if we choose, right. you know. Um, so I don't mind having people in to, you know, in to see that. Um, the, the, the downside to that is I think maybe that keeps me away from certain topics. I mean, I've told classes. I have a, I'm to the point now where I do have a disclaimer in my syllabus uh, for certain, like media history. Mm-hmm. I put a disclaimer in that basically says some of what we talk about in this class is going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you have to tough it out. Right. Uh, I don't eliminate things. Oh, we're not going to talk about this because they were mean to the black people. No, I think we need to talk about that. Yeah, that's why more so we've and, talked about And it. you're going to see things and be like, Ugh. yeah, well, that's what life was like. You know, so yeah. you need to know that. Um, what I don't do in my classes are um, politics and religion. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, if we're talking about the business of... There's a political thing there that has to be encountered. Right. I have to I have to approach it. But I make it clear to students, you didn't sign up for that when you took this class. 
So the same thing sort of translates over then to my social media feed. If you've decided to follow my feed because you like what I talk about in class, and then you get to my page and you'd find this, oh my goodness, what is all this? That, right. You know, I, I try to minimize that. Right. Now, does that have a chilling effect on what I say? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, have I been sitting out through the political season? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's just because there's a lot happening. I feel like some, there's a lot happening, yeah. and I also think that you're probably also getting a lot of that everywhere else. Yeah, I was like, you're not, it's not like you're, you know, like <laughs> you you, know? people add things to conversation, but sometimes it's like, okay, like you're saying, like uh, what? Yeah. Why? Like, why are you adding just just because you think you need to add something, or right? Because you think. Well, that, and that goes back to the whole commenting and media thing, and that's if, if there's time on the panel, I want us to talk about that too, because. You know, fake news or, or the, the accuracy of news is one thing, but the comment sections can be more damaging. I don't read. I stray away from comment sections on those things. Well, the problem is there was a case here a couple of years ago where somebody it was, uh, I think it was MLive, did the piece. You know, here's who's running for GRCC Board of Trustees. Mm. Simple, factual statement of who's running. Well, the comment section turned to, well, I heard one of them filed for bankruptcy. Okay, now that's out there. Yeah. And if you've read that, now you can't unread that. Right. So now this thing has taken on this whole life of its own in a way that the media outlet never intended. All they were saying was, here's who's running. Yeah. There's a ballot. You should know. And the people took it in a direction of, you know, it's off on its own. Several years ago, the editor of MLive came to Grand Valley and gave a talk about their restructuring and doing things. And one of the things that came up in the conversation was, well, we're paring down the um, the editorial side, and we're going to have fewer um, copy editors. Mm-hmm. And when it came to question time, I, I raised a question. I said, so I teach people to, to do this. Do I need to make sure they're better copy editors if you're not going to help them anymore? I mean, do I need to make sure that the students are more prepared to do this them, themselves? And the, the answer I got from the newspaper was, in essence, well, don't worry about it. We know that our readers and commenters will help us find all the mistakes. And I thought, dear God, this is what we've come to. We're just going to throw stuff out there and let the public sort it out. Oh, that like gives me chills. The idea yeah. of, of like hearing, of reading a comment section, like uh-huh. tearing some, tearing me down if I didn't know right. the thing that I should have been doing. But worse, what if what we report is accurate? Yeah. And the comments decide, no, we've decided you're wrong. Right. We, we, we reject your reality and replace it with our own. Mm-hmm. Well, now who do you believe? And once it, and for the people who do read the comment section, I can't get that toothpaste back in the tube right. it, once it's out there it's out there and that that doubt is it is planted yeah so the comment section becomes its own nightmare that needs to be dealt with right well hopefully you can bring that up hopefully on the panel tonight if there's time it's only an hour and a half panel and like i said they sent me the here's what we'd like to talk about and my first thought was oh we have four or five hours yeah. worth of material here this is great i do this in a semester you want me to do it in one night so, yeah yeah well, if anyone has any questions, if they go to the panel or can't make it to the panel or, yep. or hear this and they, you know, are like, I, I want to learn more, is there anywhere that people can reach you? You mentioned Twitter. Anytime, place? yes. It's uh, Len O'Kelly on Twitter. Um, I, I'm on there probably more than I should be. Yep. Uh, and, and you're more than welcome to see what I'm sharing about. It, it's mostly old music related and, it, and stuff true. like that. That's <laughs> it's a you lot know, of music history. I, I do, and a lot of, me, a lot of media history stuff. Yeah. That's where I do live. Um, I'm in Lake Superior Hall. I'm in 283. Stop by. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always willing and, and eager to talk about media. Like I said, that's the reason I left that world was to, you know, um, I want people to be better consumers of media. I understand that not everybody who takes my class will go work in the business, um, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But as long as you understand 
why the business does what it does. And, and everything is a reason. That's one thing I always like radio students to understand. You know, nothing is random on the radio. It's all done intentionally. Right. Uh, and, and I've got war stories and I can give examples. <laughs> and I'm always willing to talk about that with people, um, you know, or if you're an emailer, you know, um, it's okellyelly at gvsu.edu. I'm in the people finder. Just, you know, hit me up and I'll be happy to chat with you. Yeah. Or do what I do notice always Facebook message you. <laughs> or just wander by. Yeah. 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 Here I am. Like, yeah. Here I, am, I got a question. Yeah. 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 Right. Let's, let's meet up, Len. Here's, yeah. here's what we're doing in the morning. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so this is going to go out tonight. Or okay. like, well, actually at two o'clock. I don't know tonight. I feel like it's 4 p.m. right now. It's, it's not. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is my life. Um, so where is there any further panel information that people can know? Yeah. So tonight, uh, the main branch of the Grand Rapids Public Library, which is conveniently located on Library Street. A lot wow. of people didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't That's know great. that either. 111 Library. It's right by GRCC, mm-hmm. uh, right downtown by St. Cecilia Music Society. They've okay. got their own parking lot. Um, 7 o'clock is when it starts. It's scheduled to go till um, 8.30 tonight. Okay. And I don't know that it's being – I hope they're recording it, yeah. and I'm hoping they're sharing it. Facebook Live, that'd be nice. That would be great uh, if they're going to do it that way or even have an archive. I'm not familiar with how long they save. But, so if you can't make it tonight, it might be available in some other form. Right. But, would hope to see people there tonight. Yeah, or they can always just listen to the podcast and there get, get a gist, but definitely not get the a whole piece thing of it. Yeah, to get a whole panel worth. Yeah, I'm anxious it. to hear what the other people on the panel. There, they, you know, there's um, well, um, Professor Harvey, who's also in our department, is going to be there. Uh, Pat uh, Evans, who writes for Grand Rapids Business Journal, is one mm-hmm. of the people on the panel. Jeff Smith, who's been with Community Media Center and with Grid, is one of the ones on there too. And uh, Mike Roloff's from um, oh, help me. Um, He's on there too. Yeah, I was uh, like, I cannot, all I local media people. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they th- there's a lot of diverse opinion coming to this thing, and I'm really interested to see what they've got to say too. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Anytime. Um, hopefully, people take advantage of listening and hearing you talk about all the things that we probably should be doing as students who probably have never taken a media class or maybe took just the journalism class like myself and, yeah. then, and then said no more. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Len. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to PR Hangover. If you want more PR news like this, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GV underscore PRSSA. Talk to you soon.